Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, welcome to Talk Cosmos second season. Tonight is April 13th, 2019, and our subject is Aries, the last of four talks, but Aries, fire, the seed of potential. There'll be a repeat showing, airing, that is, on Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Aries is the beginning of a zodiac, the starts of many things. In fact, fire energy is a spark of life within us the act of will, free will, that changes our conscious experience. And a million years ago, there's evidence that humanity cooked with fire, changing our brains, our environment. And just a few days ago, which will very likely come up on April 10th, Einstein's theory of black holes is reality. Here's a photograph. Again, it opens personal realms as we accept the consciousness of the beyond as the physics of gravity fall apart with the black hole. But Aries fire initiates us to take control of choices. It fuels our individuated evolvement. The conversation tonight will talk about the paths that, that we determine in this constant state of direction and reception as we enter the unknown and we receive what is there and our individual experience leads to pathways that follows with the collective later, such as this black hole, which is most remarkable and hard to fathom. Tonight's guest returns Laura Tad, Dr. Laura Tad, a PhD, her PhD is in human science, and Laura is an internationally known psychological astrologer. She's a consultant, instructor, a lecturer. She teaches online credit classes at Casa Loma College and live life resources. She focuses on compassion and humor to actualize the client's greatest potential, healing and personal growth rather than prediction. Dr. Tad blogs. She's published with Mountain Astrologer, Cosmic Vibes, and writes for tarot.com. In fact, Dr. Tad is writing an astrology book that will be focused on a parenting tool, really a vital aspect of our entire life, I think. It's, it'll be exciting when it comes out. At any rate, Laura is an actively... Uh, community member, and she's on boards regionally and internationally, and and really was involved with the planning committee for the international, not international, but the United Astrology Conference back in 2018, 2018, pardon me and my tongue, but that's an enormous function of four major astrology groups that get together, and to find out about Laura, just go, it's Mythic Sky, Go online with Talk Cosmos. Her bio will remain there. 
and if you want to connect with her. And of course, our archives are listed there too. Hi, Laura. It's really a pleasure tonight. I'm glad we're going to delve into the psyche of Aries together. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. It's good to be on again, Sue. And it sort of feels like, you know, I lived in Seattle for a few years, so I get to reconnect with my astro tribe in the Emerald City for a moment. What was um, so it's good wonderful. to be on again. Yeah, and wonderful to have you. It's your your inquiring mind is a great tool. And in fact, I know that we had talked, there's so many areas that we could begin with. On the one hand, I, I'm thinking, you know, with your book, uh, just briefly, not to expound into tremendously, but Aries has a lot to do with experience and innovate of, of, of starts. So mm -hmm. the Aries child or the parent, it's really a, 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 a something perhaps just to introduce our sure talk. yeah well what i've observed with 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 friends who are aries with friends who have aries children with clients who have aries children um is they often developmentally they tend to be ahead of the curve right they tend to walk early and talk early there's sort of that impatience that is sort of so indicative of the aries archetype is present in them when they are quite small. Um, and they can be a lot to raise when they're little because <laughs> they're the ram, they're headstrong, they're, you know, uh, can often, you know, sort of want to be the one in charge, but they might be five and it's not really age appropriate. Um, but I've definitely observed that I have good friends who have two daughters and the older one is a Pisces and the younger one is an Aries. And you'd think that they were flipped in terms of ages because of their behavior, mm -hmm. right? The Pisces one is really calm and sweet and engaging. And her little sister is, you know, <laughs> headstrong and take charge and bossing her older sister around. <laughs> well, it, it truly is quite an insight to realize that these dynamics are evident from the very start and that need to discover that need to, to, to actually not even, well, depending on where their mercury is, but just to pursue that desire to go forward is relentless. Yeah. And so finding for Aries children, you know, finding activities where they can be really active because that mm -hmm. Aries child is going to be very challenged to sit still, right? They're going to, they're going to have to, as my stepmom calls it, you know, run out their yayas. Right. It's like when they are, they just need to move. They'll need to be, you know, have time where they get to run around in circles. Right. And so finding places and spaces for them for as a parent, where it's like when you need a break, it's like, yeah, just go off and run and I will see you later because they need to be able to expound and that energy um, in a way that's healthy instead of having it be, then they're really fidgety and have a hard time focusing and constantly annoyed and impatient with themselves and their parents and their teachers. Um, so finding, um, finding ways that that works for them, you know, finding yeah. appropriate ways where they can well, that's very express themselves such as visual. I know that Aries is preverbal. So perhaps the visual and the active either or are excellent modes of, of, of 
guiding that energy, as you say, because fire is energy. I mean, it brings that right to mind. You know, it's, it's well, everything is energy, but it's fire. It burns. It loves more energy. It's looking for energy. And it comes to mind, would you say that, because often I've heard or understand, and I have, well, we all have Aries with us. You know, my North Node is in Aries, but one reinvents. So the child would be constantly exploring to to learn, to re, well, I don't know, to learn, but to experience, to reinvent new parts of themselves. So it may not be where, well, depending on other parts of their chart, where maybe this interest is going to last in a year or something. Like, let's say they go into gymnastics and they love it, but then maybe after that, they want to go into some other form of, of discipline, would you say? Yeah, well, and I think there can be, there's this, this, very different than sort of the Gemini energy of seeking, but it's that maybe it, and it's not quite the determination of Taurus. It's sort of this combination of this energy that is, um, you know, going to keep that, the idea that Aries is about the quest, I guess ah, maybe the best way to talk about it. Beautiful. That's that, beautiful. that always seeking on the quest, on the, the hero's journey right? It's a big part of the Aries archetype. And that quest, that going out into the world to find some answer that maybe they don't even know what they're looking for is the part that makes it more Aryan, is that there isn't really a defined destination. Ah, well, that's so true. Just thinking of Aries, and perhaps now we can segue a little bit, because Aries really is the unknown if you're going to break away from what you've been part of in that Piscean experience one may have an idea you know going from the Sag just looking at the fire triad you know going from the belief systems but yet and you may have an idea of the Leo idea even as a child you know thinking of what it will but any of us that having an idea of what it might manifest as but yet the quest as you say is that receiving so many new impetuses that keep changing and evolving like a creative picture, our whole perception, our, our experience. So no, it wouldn't be a known, absolutely defined. Yeah. I mean, I think like looking at that trilogy, I think it's much more known for Sag, right? Sag has a goal. It's the straight shooting arrow. Um, and I don't think Aries has that same laser focus. No, I was thinking, this is well put. And I was thinking more in the start of an Aries experience and not here, it wouldn't necessarily be an Aries person, but any uh, house in one's chart or, uh, or for the Aries person that one draws that perception, you know, kind of borrowing from the past experience from some idea that they would have had in Sag and pointing towards the other in Leo ahead of them, you know, using the houses like that. Mm -hmm. But just to acknowledge that regardless, that even if the perception was direct in Sag, at the point of Aries, one doesn't know really where it's going to Direct. where it's going to lead you yeah i mean I, I think 
I've, I've mentioned to you before that when I first started studying astrology, my astrologer teacher would talk about how Eris, in terms of like Mars's version of, you know, the Mars in Greece, Aries, um, was the god of war, but he was really the god of the quest. And that Athena was the strategist of war. She was the one who figured out battles and then told Ares where to go. Um, and so that's part of that quest where it's like, he's not Ares as an archetype, isn't, it is just sort of going out into the adventure and okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's A-R-E-S for those folks that might be trying to Google and find out some of the mythology of the Greek uh, god of war or the warrior of the cause and battles. That's also part of Ares. You know, it's, it's really defending, defending as well. It seems, and really creating an individuation that was a word that you brought up earlier individuation mm -hmm. that free will you know for yeah well in that idea that each sign is in response to the previous one right so right before aries we have pisces that's just there's no boundaries there's no individuation everything is one and then we have aries and it's all about you know Aries, I am, right? That's its key phrase. Yes. Life. And so it's all about self, all about that individual individuation, whereas Pisces was all about merging and completeness almost. Yes, completing that womb. And, you know, that spark of life, you know, that, that, energy that's representing that we're speaking of uh, is is also like an alive force i think you were bringing up the the physical aspects it's almost like life i mean we think of it as spirit and you know there's four elements there's the fire water earth and air but for fire it needed oxygen and what were the other things it required that really gave it almost like a uh, the same qualities as what life requires. Yeah. So I, I was, as a teenager, I wrote a whole like spoken word piece about this that I wish I still had, but about how fire has almost, I mean, I was studying biology in high school and going, wait, but fire has like almost all of the elements that define life because it reproduces, it requires fuel, it consumes things. And it requires oxygen. Um, and that's true with all other living things. Now, to add to that, I'm thinking it uses air, I mean, water, but water might also squelch it, but it can create steam. So, in some senses, it actually doesn't require uh, water like we do. Now, well, a lot of life needs water. I don't know if there's any other, but yet. It certainly uh, works with it, mm -hmm. so that would add to it too. Yeah, well, that and that goes back to of like you know all elements have higher and lower qualities to them, right? All elements are problematic in excess. Right? Yes. Fire is problematic in excess astrologically, and 
terrestrially, right? We get forest fires. Um, and yeah, fire is required for human life. I thought it was so fascinating. I had mentioned this in the beginning, but that a million years ago, humanity was using new fire and using it to cook, which changed the food quality, which enhanced the brain and it made the warmth of the environment. And it, it, it shifted the entire consciousness, which, you know, through free will and making these free choices really evolves. You know, we, our soul growth, we, our consciousness continues to evolve. And as a group, because what one has done, others can follow. So it's been fire. I, you know, I imagined it had always been a part, but I had no idea it was such an enormous amount of time. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it has been critical to me. And that's where we get the mythology. That's where the story of Prometheus comes from. Oh, yes. Right. And how he stole fire from the gods and gave it to humanity and then is tortured for it because of how that changed humans according to zeus's perspective right yeah oh, you know um, and it could be interpreted literally in terms of humans discovering fire it could also be interpreted as knowledge right in prometheus bringing a certain level of a certain kind of information or knowledge to humans or the ability, the ability to be as, because if you think of the fire, the spark of our existence, that spirit that holds us, because the whole idea that, and uh, meta, metaphorically, I will speak, you know, that if we were clay coming from earth, uh, male and female, that this spark of life animated us and gave us the power of, of choosing and wanting and having desires and a ability to grow. So I wonder if the, the gods as, as tempered, tempering this uh, balance of unity in a sense was forcing people to make choices, you know, rather than just offered on a silver platter, it was saying that it is through our individuate you know privately individually we mm -hmm. must yeah make that that decision to go forward or not to go forward you know it's so we we gain it i mean to me that would be the only reason why i don't know what the liver represents because prometheus had his liver <laughs> eaten and i'm not sure what that represents in the body i've never um yeah i'm not i'm i mean and then i'd be cross you know uh theosophizing if i was like well in chinese medicine but that wouldn't necessarily apply to greece um, well it might what is it what is it i'm trying to remember what the liver is um i don't know off the top of my head but yeah, you know, I have... certain organs do represent you know like rage and guilt and the lungs are about grief ah. right so that's why like smoking represses grief it's part of why it's so I didn't realize because that. it represses our grief. And if we, it's like, yeah, you don't, you're in a bad mood. You've had a bad day. You have a cigarette. You don't have to feel it. 
Oh my goodness. And it's not just because of the tobacco, it's because of its impact in the lungs and that it represses oh, grief. Because it's... lungs covering grief. Yeah. Oh, it must have something to do with the oxygen. I, I mean, here I am, my layman brain is going nuts. I'm trying to figure this out. But yeah, the constriction of it, that is, I used to smoke. That's most amazing. I'm so glad. I was just speaking today. So glad I quit, which is many, many years ago, thankfully. But yes, yeah, so I don't, and again, that's Chinese medicine. So I don't know um, well, I, where the liver is. Okay. Um, but I do believe that uh, could relate. And again, I personally am open to so many other mythologies and they have their own uh, take on it. But yeah, it's all... And they, yeah, they do, yet, you know, that's the beauty of mythology. One of the classes I'm teaching right now is, is looking at personal myth and how, yes, it could be the story of, since we're talking about fire, Pele. Oh, yes. In Hawaii. Um, and yet, oh, well, what part of Pele's story do we all carry? Ooh. Right. Yes. That, or Prometheus, or... Icarus or any of the gods and goddesses, right? It's that that idea of collective myth that there's parts of their stories that are resonant within ourselves. And that's exactly the the concept of archetypes that they, it is this collective behavioral, psychologically just part of the essence of of of, of our nature. And so, and I was thinking, you know, as an actor, actress, that's part of it is to find that that thread. But that's a beautiful class. I think that's so important. Yeah, and you know, and well, you used to live in Hawaii, right? Does yes, that, we. So still, you probably have some stories of Pele, but well, yeah. interestingly, a year ago when Pele erupted, and I could it be a year ago? It seems like a century ago, because. It was a year ago. I happened to be right on uh, Kilauea the day it erupted. And we'd stayed the night before. I knew it was steaming, and I just figured we needed to go check up on Kilauea. Kilauea. Uh, just like a, I don't know, it's just like part of your life. You need to find out what's happening. And so that next morning, I went over to, before we departed, we're at the military camp up there. And uh, drove over and didn't see much. And I had rented this vehicle. And when I got back in, and it, okay, I will back and say this. When I was at this huge cauldron there looking at it, caldera, I, I thought of Pele. And it was just this amazing presence of, you know, when you're in of such insignificance, but yet you realize that you're in some presence. And went back to this enormous truck that we had to rent. And it started to wiggle. And I thought I was... I thought people liked both. I mean, I, I did not realize it was an earthquake until mm. I went over to the lookout center and saw the huge pink plume. But she, when you're in Hawaii, definitely becomes a, a reality that you um, grasp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, she's this goddess, really. I think that's, that that was part of how they honored fire, right? Was, oh, well, there's this goddess. And she's not very kind, but you know, she's kind of a mean goddess. You know, she kills her sisters in the myths, but. Um, That's true. Yeah. There was, I think there was good cause for that, actually. Yeah. But yeah, 
Um, but that, that again, that idea of like fire is required and taken to extremes, it's detrimental. It's forest fires, it's volcanic. Well, it does, it devastates. It's true. It can devastate, yet there are, as we know, with the various forests, there's certain seeds that only erupt when there's a forest fire. Yeah. And so there's some beauty in that. And I think that that's true. You know, so if somebody has a lot of fire in their chart. And then the universe, I think we need to make a brief announcement here and come back. It seems like we've only spoken a teeny portion. I'm talking with Dr. Laura Tad, and this is April 13th and the recording, the repeat will be on the 18th and we will return with talk cosmos talking about fire, the seed of potential. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Aries. By leaving a cycle based upon completion, the energy of Aries sparks initiation creating action to separate into a new cycle of life. It's a fire sign, which means it will involve great emotion. And because separation may create resistance, it also takes great courage to break away to new ways of becoming. Celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host, Sue Rose Minahan you'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. Hello, my name is John Talevich. I'm a chiropractic doctor, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we understand how to implement our free will through the cosmos. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Hi, Laura. Here we are again. We're returning from our break. A little announcement about Talk Cosmos, and we were talking about various aspects of fire, and it reminded me really of this remarkable discovery of the black hole just mm. on the 10th, the, the yeah, photograph. The other day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still think that there's, I mean, it's so new. It's such, you know early days in terms of our information about that. <laughs> How can we fathom it? I know. Although there were some telling captions and they weren't just captions because my husband was really in tune with it. And we listened to most of the scientific science, scientists rather, as they uh, announced this entire thing. And one of them was saying that it would be looked at, he prophesied, or this was their perspective, I think collectively that there would be a defining moment as of the time it was discovered, you know, released this photograph and before and after, because it made, 
it, it eliminated experimental, experiential science. In other words, they could come up with a test theory and it would work. Right. Yeah, well, and I think it's really significant to remember because it often gets forgotten in history that it was a woman. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. And, you know, and like we woman. saw with the movie Hidden Figures, and there were more women that were not in that film that were part of NASA in those early days. Oh, um, and um, so I think it's really important that that, like, be, remains part of the dialogue <laughs> um, so that, you know, we, and a young, she's young. Yes, quite young. It, well, relatively looking anyway. And I think that there's part of that that maybe even is so curious what her chart looks like. I'm sure somebody's trying to track it down. Um, but that there's an Aries quality to her discovery in that. Yeah, because she's the one that created the logarithm. For she it. did, but I think she also sort of didn't think it was impossible, right? I think that a lot of people yes. stop attempting things because they've been told, oh, it's not possible. It would be too hard. It's going to take too much time, too much money. You can't do it. It's not feasible. Yep, just like the Wright brothers, they just managed to do it. I've thought of that after the th all the yeah. thousand, you know. And she just sort of went like, "Well, I'm going to try, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and didn't let that coulda, shoulda, woulda, can't. It's too hard. There was, you know, that can happen when you're older. That can be part of sort of the old way of operating, particularly in the science world. Um, where she just sort of went, no, I'm going to, like, why can't this be figured out? You're very Aries. Aries quality to that. Yeah, the sun. Sort of like just going for it. Absolutely. You know, I did look up the chart for August, uh, not August, April 10th, the date, and six o'clock here in Seattle would have been nine o'clock on the East Coast that it was declared that it was announced. And then I was thinking, which was revealing in many ways, but I was thinking I needed to look up Einstein's, which I could find his birth date, but I wanted to find out when did he post about the black hole and try to compare that. Mm. And then two, according to um, an Instagram post from Gemini Brett, who just spoke last week on Chiron in Aries, which Chiron is three degrees in Aries right now. It was two degrees yesterday when it was, or on the 10th when it was formed. But uh it supposedly it's two degrees Libra, although it was questioned if not all galaxies are two degrees. So Libra, which I only throw out there because I have not had a chance to really inquire further about that or get more feedback about it. But thinking about the Libra part, because Taurus, not Taurus. As the polarity to Aries. Oh, there you go. That's for one. Plus, Venus, the ruler, is of um, also rules Uranus right now in Taurus. Mm -hmm. And Taurus looked like a singleton without any platonic, that's P T O L M E C, I think I spelled that right, uh, uh, aspects. In other words, no major aspects. So it appeared to be 
operating pretty independently, which is always an interesting statement because how sudden was it for the authentic, you know, when you consider it's mm, when Uranus is about sudden, quick, unexpected change, suddenness. Yeah. And the heavens of Uranus with the earth of Gaia, you know, in Taurus, that connection too. Here we are. Basically two Taurus. I mean, it's one in like 47 or something. So it's, you know, pretty close to being two. Oh, yes. Okay. In terms of just similar degree theme. Um, But that is also then, you know, if, if the two degree Aries location is correct, um, you know, then it's in this polarity to, to Aries. Oh, brilliant. I see. I follow you. If it's two degrees. Libra, Libra. right? If it's two degrees Libra, then that's Libra is the opposing sign. Yeah. Air. Opposite to Chiron. Yeah. I was thinking Chiron is very significant. Chiron is it besides the sun right now. It's newly in Aries, the wounded healer the wisdom the, the the master teacher that area of our self that we can only let perish and or, or use for others in order to utilize yeah well and it's that through helping others we help ourselves is often how i've looked at chiron that it's we get whatever that wound is that chiron represents for us in our own charts you know, we understand that more intimately than anybody else. And therefore, we have the greatest capacity for empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. and helping other people with similar wounds, because we get it in ourselves. Um, That's beautifully put. Yes, I think. Empathy. And so then it's in that symbiotic relationship of helping somebody else that that chironic wound ends up healing ultimately um but it's yeah it's through similar wounding right those sort of and it it yeah it's where you're able to have the greatest compassion and empathy and you had i remember earlier today when we were just speaking updating ourselves a little um i note here that vesta the asteroid vesta is conjunct chiron that means they're others that right close as far as degrees go mm-hmm. and Vesta's the hearth that which has been tended uh, originally by the vestral virgins and virgins was not necessarily the virgin that we think of today but rather the young maid the yeah it, it's innocent. etymology it just used to mean an unmarried woman yes it had nothing to do with chastity it just meant a woman who wasn't married that's gotten you know contorted and to mean something radically different than it used to. Yes. And thinking of this just now, thinking of that sacredness that was the the flame that was constantly being protected, mm. never to die. You know, these women that, that lived for that and then it evolved into other concepts, but never to let that die, being attached with this idea that there's some part of us mortally that that maybe really can't connect with the unification, the wholeness of spirit of, of ourself through ourself, except through, as we said, service or else through death, which is, which may not be physical, but it might be the uh, completion of the ending of a phase. But 
in the story of, of, of Chiron, he had to physically die and become a, you know, there is that mortality issue. And in so, his myth, for sure, um, where he, and depending, there's, I've read conflicting reports if he becomes the constellation Centaurus or he becomes the constellation Sagittarius. Um, yeah. But regardless, he becomes a, a constellation, a, a centaur constellation. No. Half um, man, half horse, which is yeah. the, ha the horse, I might add, just for speak or listeners here, is in many ways represents the spirit. You know, it, I think the horses are ruled by 12th and it's again and again that wild nature, our, our natural self, trying to coordinate and connect these parts. Yeah, well, I think particularly with Chiron, because Chiron was an unusual centaur. That's um, true. Because most centaurs were creatures that were pretty sort of, you know, barbaric, for lack of a better word. Went more with the nature, the instinctive folk yeah. aspects. Well, but the... Chiron was, half, was a demigod. So he was half horse, half god, as opposed to half horse, half human. And the great teacher of, of gods and mortals. He... Yeah spoke you know, um, so, so that's much. where he was uniquely different and you know and part of why his story is about mortality is that he was immortal but um gave up his immortality so looking at this without an I, uh, the as you had said it's so new it's hard to really look and know where it's going because of this discovery that scientists as i say feel so strongly that suddenly it experimentally experimental uh, ex you know yeah. is is in the past and that they'll be able to test things but for us so the or theoretical i think well they said experimental and i'm having a hard word saying that word but in other words yes in theory only instead of yeah, theory so only it's, it's no longer theoretical they They've yes. proven it as much as you prove anything. Yeah. And, and with that, it changes the whole dynamics of some science. And I think it also relates a lot to physics because of the fact that the black hole, gravity, well, in my mind, it does exist because that's all it is. It's such intense gravity. And in my mind, it's because also what, what I understand, the space has been eliminated. It's condensed to such a degree that if there's any matter, you know, that's the physicality, it's so, there is no space between it. So the density is just unbelievable. But this, so it, looking. Right, I mean, that, that's the theory of black holes. Yeah. Is, yeah. So is looking, that, looking at the astrology and, and, and this, it's still curious as to how we might look at these archetypes. What will, uh, how that will, uh, develop, but I would think that with Chiron in Aries for seven years and with Uranus in Taurus in seven years, that these dynamics are really going to come forth. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I could see. I mean, I think that that's part of um, the Chiron piece has a lot to do, I think, with our collective wounds around power collective wounds around um around um around power around authority around that whole me first us first america first mentality 
um, I, that, that I think is part of what this Chiron Aries stuff is about. Well, they- and then with the Uranus and Taurus, we have to revolutionize our values. Yes. Again and again, that comes up. That's so true. And the, the nodes, the lunar nodes, to clarify a little bit for people, which every 18 months shifts and we have another, I think a year until next March of 2020, where they're going to be the south node in Capricorn with these tremendous planets conjuncted, which is Saturn in its own sign and Pluto. So when you speak of authority and power and all this, I think immediately of the nodes where the north node of the Cancer which is our personal processing and our emotional psyche, the stories that we tell and the, the lunar phases of life, all of it, you know, readapting to that connection. Possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think this time next year will be very interesting. We'll have to talk again. <laughs> well, a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, no, it's mid April. I believe is the Saturn Jupiter Pluto conjunction. Oh, this year you you mean this time next year? Well, in 2020, in January, what was January, maybe that's the United Saturn, States Pluto conjunction. In April, it's Saturn Pluto Jupiter. We la wa. Oh, that's incredible. There's many really strong dynamics that keep crystallizing or, or edging forward. Well, so, yeah. So this time next year, next April. Um, yeah, I think it's late April um, is when Jupiter gets pulled into that, right? Because it's in Sag right now. So in a year, it's in, it's in Capricorn. That's right. Because I think in Jan, let's see, it goes... There's a conjunction between in December of 2020, which happens every 20 years between Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius in the very beginning, because finally- Not in 2020. Is it 2021? It might be 2021, because Saturn's not going to be, neither of them will be in, Jupiter can't get from Sag to Aquarius in a year. Well, I thought I'll have to look at that again because I just heard someone speaking about it. Yes, you're right. Let's see. But I was thinking the very end of 2020. Oh, maybe the very, very end. Yeah, it's the very end. It's December because it's a packed year. It starts in January 12th with the conjunction between, well, is it uh, this major stellium? Saturn. Yeah, it's in January. And then at the end of the year, they ingress into Aquarius. So, just in time for the election. Yeah. Well, they'll kind of like, I feel like it's bowling. You know, they set the pins up to knock them down, right? <laughs> so. Yes. yes. I think, you know, there's a lot, you know, I think all of this speaks to, and, and I think just, or, you know, um, proving the existence of a black hole um, that, or, you know, proving the theory anyway, um, yeah, you, know, you have to. My grandfather was a physicist, so I'm always sort of careful about. It's like, well, nothing is actually ever fact in science. Everything, in, technically, everything remains theoretical. It's the theory of gravity. It's not the mm-hmm. law of gravity. It's the theory of gravity. Um, 
but you know, it's sort of, it is, it's true until proven otherwise, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this discovery of a black hole, well, then we also get to sort of unpack, well, what about what we believed is true and what yes. were we wrong about? Yes. Thank you. Um, is it a galaxy collapsing in on itself? Is that all that's happening? Yes. And um, is it something more? Is it something else? Um, and and that's where, you know, I was in terms of like looking, okay, well, what degree is that? Okay, so two degrees Libra. Okay, well, hmm, Libra, partnership, fairness, balance, equanimity. Beauty. Beauty. Of, 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 of measurement. I mean, beauty, like the, like the, the divine proportions, you know. The, yeah, the but so if that's something is, I mean, if we look at it as an object in the zodiac, that's or that's passing through the zodiac, like a planet transiting through the zodiac, you know, ingressing oh, yeah. through the zodiac. Yes. Then, is there a something with what we believed to be Libra that's being transformed or collapsing in on itself? Oh, I love it. I, you know, what's so perfect about this is we femininity. The feminine and the masculine, not male, female, but feminine and masculine. Sure, like anima and animosis. Yeah, and yin, yang, but the Mars and the Venus. And again and again, the, 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 the redefinition uh, through experience of what is feminine is, is, you know, last year there was so many squares with between Venus and Mars, and particularly with the nodes, and even, it, it, you know, it, there's quite a few, many, many, you know, many uh, steps of um, in time of, of this energy that we're, we're feeling. And, and the idea that, in fact, I was talking with about Kabbalah with Dana, and I mentioned this earlier with Brett, but uh, Dana Bernbach on our talk about the letter of Hay, and that because of the, in Kabbalah, there's, columns and there's a feminine column and it's in the feminine column and trying to understand that we came up with which i don't know if is brain surgery here or not but the fact is is that not just direction or aggression which we often think of the aries energy but reception receiving mm -hmm. and, and, you know which of course you know when you as we were just talking about you go forward to the unknown here you come in with all this that we don't know about so it is this this you're bringing up the Libra part. It's it, again, you know, and the collapsing of beautifully uh, presented of, of killing and, off, you might say, like yeah. Chiron, what no longer lives. Or what, what, you know, I describe this kind of thing to clients sometimes as like, you know, you have the marble and you're cutting away what doesn't fit to reveal the sculpture. Right. Oh, That's yeah. how a sculpture works is they don't, they're not oh, adding, they're taking away mm. when they carve from stone, they're removing the excess, they're removing the superfluous. Um, and so in this polarity to Aries, it's like, well, the balance between self and other, 
right? That's part of that polarity of Aries, Libra is self and other. Yes. And if part of our misguided perception of that difference is dying in this black hole. Yeah. You know what I've always wondered since even the thought of black holes, which have been around, of course, for a hundred years. And when I first found out, I was terrified. It was like this, the real boogie, some horrible thing that was going to eat us up. And now, of course, I've eliminated that worry, whether it does or not. But the fact I'm wondering, you know, we speak of the universe, the start of the universe, which science, you know, they've gone back and looked at light and found out when that was, etc. But how do we know that that was the first start? How do we know that this black hole isn't a balance to that, that it's almost like a kneading that exchanges between stars dying and collecting and becoming black holes. And then finally, so intense, and maybe some distances or something that again, it bursts out. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think because we're dealing with such an immensely long timeline, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of <laughs> the speed of light, because that black hole already happened. We're just seeing it. And it's as right. big as the galaxy. Yeah, this is very true. This is very true. I'm trying to figure out how much time we have. Do we have um, a couple minutes, I think? Well, I better make a quick announcement just for next week. Tonight is with Dr. Laura Tad, April 13th and repeat on the 18th at six in the morning. And we're talking about fire, the seed of potential. Next week we'll begin Taurus and with the new program called cosmic collaboration where all four of the astrologers for that month and myself will be speaking in 10 minute segments about some aspect of taurus so do listen and you can always check the archives online so and if you're interested hope in contacting laura for consultations or lectures or for any purpose at all in her classes online at top cosmos her bio with mythic sky you can just click it and get right to her and you can find out the archives and we appreciate and love all of you so much and thank you for your interest laura how many minutes do we have let's finish <laughs> yeah just a few i think but yeah, yeah i we think so goody yeah i think we have about four at least something like yeah. that so no Oh, my goodness. Well, Aries, quite the occasion, the cause. So what was, I'll let you, did you have something that? Um, I know, just, yeah, this idea that of, of the quest, right? And that Aries is, like every sign is in response to the previous one, right? Aries is in reaction or response to the nebulousness of Pisces um, and which lacks direction because it's going in all directions simultaneously. Um, and Aries, you know, is single focused, it's blinders. It's like, you know, the horse that has its peripheral vision cut off. Um, and that that's one of the challenges. I mean, it's, it's like everything, it, it's got a that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It can keep you really driven and it can 
have you not see what's around you because your peripheral vision is cut off um, and be so single focused that you, know, you miss the forest for the trees, um, which is why you then end up in Taurus. To slow I always tell clients, I sort of describe Taurus as like, it's throwing the emergency brake on Aries <laughs> um, and grinding to a halt, you know, where you were the jackrabbit as Aries and now you're the tortoise um, in Taurus and slowing, you know, arguably sometimes a Taurus slowing down too much. Um, but that, yeah, it's, it's, each sign is in response to the previous. And so, you know, now we're, we'll see how we navigate these next seven years of Chiron in Aries. Um, I think it's some ways a reprieve to have Uranus out of Aries though. That was an intense, oh it was combustive yes the suddenness with the with the I, I can i can well understand yeah i was trying to think too in a nutshell if there was some kind of mythology with eris or mars because i know by the time with the greeks eris a-r-e-s was considered very volatile very aggressive and warlike they really weren't so in favor of it of him until the romes that began it became almost a patron saint, or not saint, but patron god. Sure, yeah, no, in Frenze, in Florence, there's a, what was, it's so crazy how things, how people <laughs> do things in the world, but, so what was a temple to Mars in Florence is now a baptismo, it is where they now baptize children. Ah, you it, have, and well, it has you know? Are in gilded brass of panels of Dante's Inferno. Yeah, going back, oh, that's fascinating. Going back it's to the very keeping with the Mars. I mean, what's fascinating is Mars is still so present there, even oh. though you know it was ancient Rome that it was a temple to Mars. Well, it takes a lot of work just to, as Maurice Fernandez, who I've taken classes from, says, just to stand up to defy gravity, which might be a great way to end this because I'm thinking. If we're talking about black holes where there's no gravity, and here we are as babies, as you're saying with this temple, you know, with Mars working to to raise ourselves up and and continue for forward, which takes a lot of concentrated uh, desire and effort. It's it's quite fascinating. I guess we'll we'll have to learn about what inversions are to go inward to use that partly to expand to connect with the spirit. Yeah. Laura, thank you so much. Sure. Absolutely. It's great to be on again and catch up and all of that. We will do it again. Yay. Uh, all right. That was good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.